Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. Last November, in response to years of controversies and aggressive politicization of the state university system by Republican legislators, Governor Roy Cooper asked two former UNC system presidents, Republican Margaret Spellings and Democrat Tom Ross, to lead a new bipartisan commission on the governance of public universities in North Carolina and make recommendations on how things could be made to work better. And while GOP leaders have expressed little interest in the effort, one veteran higher education expert, Professor Timothy Kaufman Osborne of Whitman College in Washington State, is calling on Spellings and Ross to seize the opportunity to make some bold recommendations. Indeed, in December, Kaufman Osborne penned an open letter to the commission detailing some of those recommendations, ideas that he also explores in a new soon-to-be-released book. And recently, he sat down with me to discuss some of them. Well, Timothy Kaufman Osborne, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. So you recently penned an open letter. We published it at ncpolicywatch.com to the folks heading the new Commission on the Governance of Public Universities in North Carolina. It's something that Governor Roy Cooper established this past November. First off, tell us about what your perception of the current situation at UNC is from your vantage point and why perhaps it's somewhat problematic. Sure. North Carolina, in my view, has got one of the better systems of public education in the United States. But that system, as you know, as well as I do, has been racked by controversy in recent years. The most obvious examples include, although others could be cited, but the most obvious examples include the bungled removal of the Confederate statue known as Silent Sam, the botched tenure bid of Nicole Hannah-Jones, and so forth and so on. And and, Mm -hmm. um, I I think most people would agree that these controversies have seriously damaged the reputation of North Carolina's higher education system and done significant harm to the morale of those who work within it. And to his credit, as you just mentioned, Governor Cooper has recognized that these controversies are indicative of much larger problems concerning the governance of UNC, and hence who's ultimately responsible for these fiascos. And accordingly, again, as you mentioned last November, he created a commission on the governance of public universities and charged that body with proposing reforms to the current system. There's good reason, however, to suspect that whatever recommendations the committee proposes at the end of its eight-month term will come to naught on the the very day that North Carolina's Democratic governor announced this body's formation. The Republican Speaker of the House stated, and I quote, there is no interest in changing the structure of the UNC system, regardless of whatever report this politically motivated commission produces, <laughs> unquote. So apparently North Carolina's Republicans have rejected the commission's recommendations even before they know what those proposals may be. So the obvious question is, why is that so? And I, I think the answer is pretty simple. Via its control of both houses of the legislature, the Republican Party now has the power to appoint, either directly or indirectly, all members of UNC's governing bodies, and it has no interest in surrendering its current control over higher education in the state. Yeah, I guess there's a truism out there that powerful people rarely voluntarily give up that power. But it's worth noting that this commission that the governor has appointed doesn't appear to, at least at this point, as if it's going to be stacked with a group of radicals. The two people he's appointed to chair it are 
the former Republican president of the UNC system and the former Democratic president of the UNC system, who've both agreed to do it in, in a bipartisan cooperative effort. So even though it seems that the legislature, uh, Republican leadership doesn't have a lot of interest, it, it seems as if they're genuinely serious about coming at it from a bipartisan perspective, at least for, so far as we can tell. I give them all the credit in the world for agreeing to head a commission, even though they must know as well as we know that the recommendations they generate are unlikely to be adopted. At least perhaps in the near term, although maybe there is some hope in the long run. So maybe you could talk to us about this open letter that you authored that we published at NC Policy Watch that was addressed to uh, those chairs of that commission, uh, Tom Ross and uh, Margaret Spellings. So there are several interrelated steps to the argument I try to make in my letter. Some of them, I think, cut against the grain of conventional thinking about university governance. So so if I may, I'd like to summarize each step sure. briefly. Here goes. In announcing formation of the commission, Governor Cooper focused for the most part on how persons are appointed to the statewide board of governors, as well as the boards of trustees that govern specific universities. So he suggested, for example, that perhaps the minority party in the legislature might be permitted to appoint a few governing board members. Or alternatively, the greater effort might be made to diversify the composition of those bodies, for example, by adding more persons of color. Um, and in my letter, I suggest that those piecemeal, such piecemeal reforms to the appointment process are inadequate to solve the problem at hand. And instead, I urge the commission to focus on the institutional structure of university governance itself, rather than who occupies positions within that structure. So that's my first premise. And that, of course, leads me to ask, what then is the character of that institutional structure? And I think the answer to that question is not as well understood as it, as it should be. Legally speaking, the UNC Board of Governors is constituted as a corporation. All members of that corporation are the board's 24 members, all of whom are appointed by the legislature. By law, that incorporated body is granted ultimate authority over, and here I quote from the relevant statute, is granted ultimate authority over the governance of all affairs of the 17 universities that comprise the UNC system. So, if the Board of Governors is given comprehensive authority to rule the UNC system, who's excluded from participation in its governance? In my view, the stark but correct answer is this. Everyone who is not a member of that incorporated body is therefore <laughs> excluded. In other words, everyone who is not a member of the Board of Governors, but instead an employee of the UNC, UNC system, whether administrator, instructor, staff member, whatever, has no legal title to share in the power of rule. It's true. I need to add one caveat there. It's true that the Board of Governors has delegated certain of its powers to subordinate officers. But as the law makes clear, any power the board delegates to others even and including the power it grants to the trustees of the 17 universities within the system, any power the Board of Governors delegates can always be modified or even rescinded altogether. So in the last analysis, those who do the actual work of higher education are what I would call the subjects of rule <laughs> exercised by outsiders, the Board of Governors, who in turn are appointed by other outsiders, that is the state legislature. 
And to, to just illustrate the point, consider these questions, right? Are the members of the Board of Governors selected by those over whom that board rules? The answer is no. Can the members of the Board of Governors be removed by those over whom they rule? The answer is no. Can those who teach and research formulate the policies that govern the conduct of higher education in North Carolina? Well, perhaps, but only if and to the extent that this authority has been contingently granted by the Board of Governors. So, when you consider the answers to those questions, I think what we see here is a system of governance that I would call essentially autocratic, or to employ a different and perhaps better analogy, this form of rule is, and here I realize this term is controversial, but is essentially uh, autocratic and imperialist. And what I mean by imperialist is that the board is akin to America's pre-revolutionary governors who ruled the colonies on behalf of the British crown. There's some limits to that analogy, but I I think it's a provocative one nonetheless. So the form of rule I have just described is fundamentally incompatible with the Republican principles. And here I mean lowercase r, opposed to the party, uh, incompatible with the principles on which this nation was founded. Those principles include a commitment to limited government, to the separation of powers as a means of avoiding its concentration in the hands of a few. And most important for my purposes, those Republican principles commit uh, the United States to the accountability of rulers to whom they rule. And this is where I ultimately take my letter. There, I encourage the commission to consider reorganizing North Carolina's universities as what state law calls membership corporations. In this type of corporation, its members have the authority to make the rules by which they are governed, to select those by whom they are governed, and to hold those rulers accountable when they go astray. In short, I'm suggesting that the commission draw on currently available law to recommend a reincorporation of North Carolina's universities in accordance with the Republican principles upon which this nation was founded. And that, in a nutshell, is the basic argument. It's a remarkable argument. You're right. Whatever we call the current system, it is a sweeping grant of powers that's given to these 24 individuals who are selected for political reasons. You've actually written a book on this subject, right? Or the general uh, subject of of university system governance. I take it UNC isn't the only university system that maybe that's grappling with some of these issues of uh, autocratic leadership in their university? That is true. uh, But first, let me thank you for plugging the book. (laughs) Um, The book, it will be released in North Carolina, of course, by Duke University Press in uh, April of this year. And, And there I try to extend the argument to answer your question. There I try to extend the argument I've just made about Carolina by showing that virtually without exception, all colleges and universities in the United States are now organized as what I would call incorporated autocracies. This is so, I think, has become much more graphically apparent since the onset of the COVID pandemic. Hmm. During the past few years, we've seen unaccountable governing boards exercise their unilateral authority to terminate faculty appointments, including tenured appointments, to suspend faculty handbooks from staff manuals, to eliminate entire academic programs, to reduce benefits, and so forth and so on. In short, over the course of the past three years, university governing boards have proven much more 
for lack of a better term, combative in exercising the powers that the law has always granted to them. Those powers have always been in their their statutory back pocket. They've been exercised in the last three years in ways we've not seen previously. So in light of those developments in the book, I try to ask a question that goes something like this. And I think it's a very elementary question, but one that we don't often enough ask. The question is, if the purpose of higher education is to cultivate free inquiry, and that doesn't strike me as a as an outrageous proposition. <laughs> if the purpose of higher education is to cultivate free inquiry, whether that takes place in the classroom or in the study, at the library, the laboratory, what form of governance is best suited to cultivate that purpose, the purpose of free inquiry? Why should we believe that this purpose is well served by placing autocratic power in the hands of those who, for the most part, are appointed to their positions principally because they're big donors or because they're CEOs in the the for-profit sector or, as in North Carolina and a few other states, because they're committed to the agenda of a specific political party. What possibly qualifies persons of the sort I've just described for governing well our institutions of higher education? And in my view, the ends of higher education, as I also indicate in the open letter, would be better served if we were to reconstitute colleges and universities as corporations ruled by their members instead of being ruled by those who, as a rule, have no practical experience in or proper appreciation for the work of teaching and research. That's the project of the book in a nutshell. We're talking with Professor Timothy Kaufman Osborne of Whitman College in Washington State. He has a new book coming out, The Autocratic Academy, Re-Envisioning Rule Within America's Universities. And he's penned an open letter to the leaders of the new Commission on the Governance of Public Universities in North Carolina that Governor Roy Cooper established this past November. You're obviously a political realist. You you acknowledged right from the outset that the Republican leadership of the North Carolina General Assembly has already expressed a little interest even in modest change in how we structure our university system. But obviously, you're not looking for or expecting an immediate shift. But can you still envision a scenario in which real reform is possible in the long run? Are there any even inklings of examples in other places where you know we might look to as possible models or at least inspiration for future change? My answer to that question is probably not in the short run, but possibly yes in the long run. And and let me explain. Um, Do I think that Margaret Spellings and Tom Ross, the co-chairs of Governor Cooper's commission, are likely to embrace my argument and on that basis recommend that UNC be reformed on the model of a democratically run member corporation? Probably not. I am a realist in that (laughs) sense. Although I'd be delighted and honored, of course, if they were to do so. I hold out that last little shred of hope. That said, consider what's now happening to higher education in the United States, especially in red states and most dramatically in Florida. There, Ron DeSantis has joined forces with the legislature in an aggressive effort to turn its public universities into servants of their right-wing ideology. And we've seen new developments in this area just in the last day or two with yeah. the what I would call the hostile takeover of uh, New College, right, which is a public liberal arts college in the state of Florida. And as this process plays out, I think more and more faculty, students, and staff are coming to wake up 
to the autocratic character of rule within our nation's universities. And recognition of that admittedly harsh reality is, of course, the first step toward resisting it. And since 2016, we've seen significant opposition to the encroachments of authoritarianism within U.S. politics. My hope, of course, is that we may now be witnessing similar forms of resistance cropping up within America's universities. And the recent strike of unions representing 48,000 employees of the University of California system is but what one example of a kind of new militancy among faculty that I hope will spread. If nothing else, I do have modest expectations. If nothing else, I hope that my letter serves to reopen the question of what sort of governance is best suited to advance the ends and purposes of higher education. If the letter accomplishes that, it will have served its purpose. Timothy Kaufman Osborne is the Baker Ferguson Professor of Politics and Leadership Emeritus at Whitman College in Washington State. His new book is The Autocratic Academy, Re-Envisioning Rule Within America's Universities. It'll be available soon. Timothy, am I right about that, the book? April, Duke University Press. Please check it out online, and you can check out the open letter that he penned to the leaders of the governor's new commission on uh, the governance of public universities in North Carolina at ncpolicywatch.com. Professor Kaufman Osborne, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, much good luck with the book, and I hope our paths cross again soon. I hope so as well, and again, thank you so much for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncpolicywatch.com. You can also listen to all of our interviews and commentaries on Apple Podcasts. For producer Clayton Henkel, this is Rob Schofield. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to News and Views. A weekly look at state and policy issues is a production of North Carolina Policy Watch. Visit them online at ncpolicywatch.com.